The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Beyond and hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush. And now anytime I do this show with Janet Garcia, I think about my intro cadence. But nonetheless, I'm going to roll right through it. Uh, I'm joined this week by a wonderful panel, including Janet. Hey, Janet. What's up? You, you've got me in my head now every time. It's amazing. Uh, I thought about also, that the other day. It's great. We're, <laughs> we're also joined this week by Brian Altano. Hey, what's up, everyone? <laughs> As they say. The three of us. And we're also joined by Mitchell Saltzman. Hey, Mitchell. Beyond, hello and welcome. Is that what I'm supposed to do? Am I supposed to say beyond? Yeah, yeah you did it. Yeah, we okay. all screwed yeah. up. So thank yeah. you for doing that. The <laughs> it's been on that show uh, for years. I always forget. Yeah, and <laughs> since we did all mess up, if you were wondering, you're listening to Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show. And this episode, we are going to be talking all about Ghost of Tsushima. I know this episode is coming out before the game is out. This is coinciding with the review embargo that is now lifted for the game. Uh, so we will be staying spoiler free essentially basically outside of anything you've probably seen in a trailer or that's been discussed in our review and video review uh we're keeping it there don't worry we won't be saying anything about the end of the game where characters end up what characters are in the game anything about aloy's cameo none of it we're going to keep it all spoiler free don't worry yeah crap uh anyway cut this and we'll restart no um we are going to keep it spoiler free don't worry but we will be diving into our thoughts on the gameplay the story the world all of that jazz uh but of course i want to start off by talking about uh mitchell because you reviewed ghost of tsushima so why don't you tell us first of all sort of what you gave it and your general thoughts about it yeah sure uh i gave it a nine i think this game is excellent um it does things that I think are are clever solutions to problems that I see a lot of other open world action adventure games do. Um, at the same time, there are a couple of things that I, I don't like all that much. And I think I, I looked at the run of show. We'll get to it. <laughs> uh, but I think by and large, uh, Sucker Punch did something really amazing with this game. And it, it's got, I think, the best combat of any of these big open world action games I've ever played. Uh, at the very least, the best, uh, you know, sword combat, the best blade to blade combat. Maybe uh, I could, I could say that Batman might, might still hold the crown in terms of my opinion on that. But in terms of swords, man, Ghost of Tsushima is really good. <laughs> I love that as a back of the box quote in terms of swords. 
Tsushima's <laughs> got it good. Um, no, yeah, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the combat, the stealth, uh, the world design, all this stuff. Uh, I do think it's worth saying, as Mitchell was uh, mentioning, this was developed by Sucker Punch. Uh, they debuted this game in 2017 at the Paris Games Week uh, showcase back then. Uh, this is their first full release since Infamous Second Son. They had the Infamous First Light DLC that was also sort of standalone that came out afterward. But th- this is basically their first game since the early days of the PS4. So it's been a while since we've heard of them. Of course, they've done uh, Sly Cooper and Infamous uh, and some other franchises, but uh, this is their big return to form after a few years of quiet. And I would say on the whole, uh, there's a lot to love and talk about in this game. Uh, And so I want to sort of talk at large at first, I think talking about it as an open world game, because as Mitchell was saying, um, I think a lot of the the best parts of this game for me personally are in its open world design. Um, and I definitely want to hear from all of you and just sort of to set it off. For me, what this game does so well is I think since Breath of the Wild, this is the first game to really lean into and make great use of the idea of really naturalistic exploration, where you yeah. see a thing on the map and you go, I want to know what that is. I'm going to go look at it. And it's most of the time pretty rewarding to go do so whether it's getting you a new item or a collectible or showing you a cool new area or something like that i think the world design is so great at naturally encouraging you to explore it uh janet i'll start with you what, what have you thought about as you've played the game uh, of exploring this open world yeah i've gotten like hot and cold on it um it just kind of it it slowly changed for me over time as i sort of explored it more but my initial impression was like oh this is really really fun i do think it's really well integrated because basically you have like these different areas of the map for like your where your main missions are so you might have one main mission and then another one way farther out and there is fast travel but because it you kind of have to open those points up it takes a while initially to get from point a to point b and on your way like as you see stuff you just kind of naturally go on and explore it one thing i really did enjoy about it was there is constantly like groups of enemies that are just kind of roaming out in the open and you can choose whether or not you want to engage with them and fighting them gives you experience that you can use to like upgrade um many you have a lot of skill trees to upgrade so choose any of them and you can kind of you you are incentivized for doing that stuff i will say um without getting too much into it cuz you know i want to hear from everyone else as well i think the biggest drawback for me is unlike other really good open world games like if we wanted to make the breath of the wild comparison when you do start finding stuff it feels a little bit less surprising than it initially seemed so at first you're like "Ooh, okay there's something on this side or like there's a a little shrine area or like you know a place where people have a campground or something but it's like oh you know next to the fire is a collectible or right on this and it kind of it takes some of the magic away for me when it ends up being so in your face um based on the marketing i kind of thought the collectibles would be a little bit more interestingly placed and i feel like once you do end up discovering what they want you to discover it kind of takes a little bit away from the magic so it's it's a bit of a mix for me is uh, ultimately where i land brian what about you um i i really like this world it's uh it's i don't think it quite hits the highs of breath of the wild in terms of um, exploration and traversal, but I think it's probably second place in in terms of um, uh, like it, it, imploring you to uh, uncover things on the map. The the way that things flow, uh, as as Janet alluded to, is essentially you you have this giant map that's covered in fog, and as you travel across it, um, you 
open up more areas, but also um, there are sort of dynamic encounters that happen along the map and then some happen through stories. And um, like Janet said, if there's a group of bad guys and they're walking down the street, but they have like a, or it's like a road, not a street yet. It'll be a street someday. Um, they have basically like a hostage that they put there. If you kill everyone and you talk to that hostage, they will tell you uh, sometimes about a point of interest on the map, which will open up a question mark or something else. And by doing all that, um, you start to slowly fill out these stories of people telling you things that are happening all over the map. And I found I found that really, really fascinating. I think that the, um, the way uh, this game uses wind to nudge you in the direction you want to go is brilliant. It's to me at first, it was sort of like this gimmicky thing that I was like, Oh, this is, you know, this is just their, their waypoint thing. But what it does is essentially clear off your UI. So you don't have these giant neon garish, ugly arrows all over everything. Um, instead you were watching the way that the trees bend and flow and you can set that waypoint to stories, to side quests, to collectibles as you unlock those things. Um, and so I really like that. And I think like riding on horseback is for the most part, really fun. It doesn't really get wonky. I found myself running around on foot a lot, um, because I just, I liked exploring. I think it's like, it's less interesting than something like breath of the wild because it doesn't have magic in it and, you know, sorcerers and weird. It's more grounded. Wizard. It's great. It's yeah, grounded. Yeah. Definitely it's, it's, more grounded. Yeah. So you don't like, I mean, this is not even like, uh, you know, when you're playing like a Tomb Raider game and you get to the end of the game and you have to fight like a monster, there's really none of that in this game. Like this is, you know, this is constantly reminding you of how grounded it is. Even like you'll do side quests where somebody will be like, there's ghosts in the forest and and your dude's like, no, there isn't. I'll take a look. Don't worry, but it's definitely not ghosts. Um, yeah, there's, despite that name being on the box. <laughs> I, I think what it, it trades in that magic for just a like beautiful world. But yeah, yes. it absolutely is. There's a, there's a lot of openness to it and barrenness and not in a, a bad way for me, at least like I, I do get uh, your point, Jen, and there were definitely times I get to a place. I'm like, okay, so this is pretty similar to the like six other places like this. Maybe I've been to already. Um, and, and it is definitely a more like exciting, intriguing uh, possibility when you're in the early hours of the game. But I, I did love just like roaming around this world. Like I, I've been playing pretty much as I pick a point on the map I haven't been to, and then I just go and if there's something along the way that stops me, I let it stop me. If there's a mission, maybe I'll do that mission. If it's a bird to follow, I'll follow the bird. If I see yep. a fox, of course, I'm going to go for the fox. Um, of it's, it's, uh, it, it's been a really fun, like relaxing experience for me in that regard, which I didn't expect. Yeah, I had no idea this game would be... Um, I, I was thinking about it a lot as sort of like the, the, the three games that have sort of dominated quarantine for me, and it's Animal Crossing, The Last of Us, and Ghost of Tsushima. And to me, this game feels like sort of a weird combination of those first two, because it is this... It's equal parts conflict and tranquility. Like this, there's something so incredibly peaceful and tranquil about just traversing this game and just coming up over a hill or a ridge um and just taking in just how beautiful it all is uh and then five seconds later you're in this intense you know conflict and and fighting nine people at the same time and it's crazy and stressful and the music amps up and uh i think that this game is really good at that if you're going into this game expecting the jam-packed non-stop gta style chaos um i i would say that like you'll you'll probably like it's sort of a little bit more horizony in that like it's it's got a lot more quiet to it than I think a lot of people are expecting. But uh, honestly, like as somebody who's been stuck in a two bedroom apartment for four months, like this is kind of exactly what I needed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mitchell, I go think, ahead. Yeah. I, I wanted to hear from you. 
one of the things I really, really appreciate about this game also in terms of the exploration of it is that as someone who typically is not very big on collectibles and, you know, just doesn't like a map screen that is just overwhelming with different side quests and, you know, a bunch of different icons that all have different activities. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima is very minimalist when it comes to that. Uh, when you first start, it is very much like Breath of the Wild, where you you really don't have much to to go off of, and it encourages you to do that exploration on your own. And as you as you go forward, you'll see some smokestacks in the, in the distance. You can go over there. You'll find maybe a uh, you know a bamboo uh, a bamboo thing to cut or a, a hot springs to increase your health. Um, or maybe you'll just see see a uh, a guy with uh, that wants to talk to you who will you know tell you about some rumor that he heard and then that will set you off on on a, a side quest. But no matter like how many of those I got, I never felt like it was overwhelming with the amount of stuff that I had to do at any time, which I super appreciated. Um, yeah, yeah. Not, not being overwhelmed by a, a game where I'm I'm going to escape is always a good thing in my book. And yeah, I, I've I liked sort of the structure and Janet. I was curious what you were thinking, especially I guess coming from like a wiki minded side of things. <laughs> but yeah. um, the the structure <laughs> of this one is really interesting to me, not just in the collectibles because there are a lot of collectibles, which is no surprise for Sucker Punch. But um, there's the the way there's like a main narrative and side quest it's not like here is one main narrative and then here are side quests there are different categories of side quests there there everything's called a tale in this game and so there are mythic tales there are these um side tales there are character specific tales that are like one of 3 or one of 9 that let you follow a, a character story and then of course there are uh you know a smattering of main campaign missions that you can essentially follow if that's all you want to do um i i was curious what everyone thought of the structure but Janet, i figured I start with you of uh have you liked how it's encouraged you to explore the world do you wish it was a little more um uh focused i guess or how how have you found its campaign structure yeah i mean it's kind of a loaded question i think as a player i appreciate the way like i like whenever a game makes me want to do side stuff and when the side stuff is compelling because i'm always of the mind if it's not good why is it in the game <laughs> and that's a lot of side quests a lot of them are kind of subpar and one thing i will say about ghost Tsushima is all of it feels very even healed um if you sh if you dropped me into a side quest i wouldn't necessarily know it was a side quest now obviously one could argue maybe they're all equally weak if you want to take the negative perspective of it but i think they're all pretty strong like they felt like they could all be part of a main campaign which i really respect um from a guide perspective i think one thing that i kind of didn't really like and i think some gamers might fall into this as well is um, so what I'm doing is I'm only working on a portion of the guide. Shout out to freelancers because, gosh, this game is big. Um, so I've been kind of beelining the front end of it. I'm currently in the third um, area without, like, you know, giving too much away. And trying to beeline this game was kind of difficult because I felt like, like, I was encouraged by, like, my coworkers, like, Brendan, to do the mythic quests, even though I was only doing the main quests because those give you, like, really good rewards. And it, I, I kind of felt a little bit like I was forced to do the side stuff and it depends on how you take that as a player because if you're not doing the side stuff you have so many less fast travel points and going anywhere is a huge pain like it's a huge time sink if you are trying to avoid it so it just depends on the kind of game you're looking for and the kind of player you typically are someone who's open to that stuff is going to be in for I think something that feels very naturally compelling but if you're like, I actually just want to finish this game, it's like, well, you're going to go like, okay, your main quest is here. The second objective is on the other side of the map. 
for no reason. Um, and I found that a little bit frustrating. And I kind of wonder, I mean, I, I had assumed that's it's part of the ethos of trying to immerse you in the world. But I think it does kind of um, limit you in that way. Uh, Brian, had, ha- oh, Mitchell, sorry. No, I was going to say, I think that's a, that's a really interesting point. And uh, one of the things that uh, I think is unique about Ghost of Tsushima in comparison to like an Assassin's Creed or a Witcher uh, is that there's no, there's no level system, really. There, there's no traditional, uh, I leveled up, now I'm level you know, five, and I can take on level five or level six you know, outposts or, or quests. Uh, so when it comes to like, just beelining through the game, I actually think Ghost of Tsushima is, is much easier to do that compared to other games like you know, the ones I mentioned. Uh, and it's actually one of the things I really, really appreciate about this game because you're never getting into that situation where you're ex- you're exploring an area that all of a sudden it jumps up in level and you're getting one shot by archers who look like the exact same archers you fought ten minutes ago, fifty feet away. Um, it it, it dri- that drives me crazy. I hate yeah, it. That it, that's it, the thing that Horizon <laughs> did that yeah. I, I didn't love, especially when I had left Horizon and then came back to it six months later and was like, I don't feel equipped to handle that area because I'm five levels below. But yeah, here if you. I, I'd say if you're reasonably well equipped, like I, I think, you know, uh, there are some enemies that use tactics a little differently, especially as you go on and, and we'll get into that combat stuff shortly. But I do think it, it felt a lot more freeing. At first, I had that in my mind. I'm like, is anywhere on this map a place I shouldn't go to yet in, in the first area? And it's like, no, go, go where you want to and, and figure it out, which I appreciated. Yeah, I never I never felt weak in this game, which is which is really cool. I always felt strong and sometimes I felt stronger than than the the other people in the area but i never felt uh weak which i think is very very powerful yeah uh i'm i'm totally in the same boat i'm doing the opposite thing where i'm basically um i was i was pushing the story stuff away uh as long as possible to do all the side stuff and find all the collectibles and explore the world because this was this wasn't something i feel like it's sort of like antithetical to um most people's play style to purchase a game like this and want to rush through it because it is by nature something that's sort of um a little a little more quiet and methodical i'd say you know um that being said like if you're if you're going to rent this game um i have no idea how long it will take you to just crush through the story because i know that i'm probably like 40 50 hours in and i'm only i'm basically there's three i believe there's three acts in the game and i'm in i'm in act three and I'm taking my time and I'm finding stuff. As someone who is doing all the side quests and stuff, I will say that one of the things that does pop up a little bit is that you very quickly start to realize that, um, and this is endemic of a lot of open world games, they essentially only fall into a specific kind of group of of, of boxes. And so like you have you have a couple of missions where you're tracking footprints that lead to a conflict or another mission where you're tracking uh down you're following somebody that leads to a conflict or you go over here and it leads to a conflict almost everything funnels into a conflict with exceptions of there's a few story things that uh are really quite touching that are uh, just really relegated to side quests but for the most part i i was i was missing a little bit of the sort of like diversity in in um in gameplay and storytelling that happened in the side stuff um that said uh I don't think everyone will be expected to do all of it. And in terms of open world games, usually when I play an open world game and I try to hundred percent it, I get to the part where I saved all the like 
crappy time trial missions or whatever <laughs> and then i i just give up on the game and this game doesn't really have anything like that there's no like there's a couple like insta fail uh there's like a, a couple weird holdovers from like very early i would say like mid ps3 era um where it's like insta fail stealth missions or like don't walk too far from the mission Failing area missions. yeah stuff like yeah. that um and, and i will say too like the first five hours of this game are, are really not um sort of uh indicative of where the rest of it goes it really feels like the first five hours of this game were made at the very beginning of this generation um and the rest of the game was made afterwards because i first few hours i was like a lot of the quests that you're going through they're very boilerplate they're very tutorialery there's also a bunch of stuff that i straight up never even really used in the rest of the game um like hiding under buildings in those like little hatches i just never did that um mitchell your your review talks a little bit about like the stealth and how it doesn't necessarily it's it's not this game's forte, uh, but I, I I will say that it does open up after that, and I don't know. I actually I really like the flow of things. Um, I will say in Kurosawa mode, uh, it was very difficult to tell what was the story mission and what wasn't <laughs> unless you actually go into the menus and pick. Um, yeah, but we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> For sure, I I do want to get to the visual stuff. Yeah, I'd say I I totally get what you're saying on the like mission structure side. There, it, it starts to feel a bit samey when when it comes to the side missions as you go on. I, I would say as like someone who's really been enjoying the the character building, it is worth going into that side stuff, especially because you do get such touches of especially some of like the supporting cast and ensemble. Like you get a lot more of who they are. Uh, I'd say some of as you know. Uh, serious as the subject matter is here some of the like just abjectly saddest things to me happen in some of the side stories where it's like mm-hmm. oh i think i'm going to help someone oh no i i actually screwed over some other people by doing that and i i was tricked into this and now i feel terrible like it there, it, there are dark twists in yeah, some yeah. of the side quests like i think yeah. i i think one of the guiding philosophies of the side quest design in that game was to do something basic and then just do a twist at the end yeah <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, that's seriously. really accurate. That's yeah. actually like all of them, um, which I think does get a little bit samey in certain parts. But it's also hard to tell because I think if you play this game a lot more slowly, you might not notice that. Versus like if you're going back to back to back, which I think is how a lot of us probably play games like this. It it you kind of start start to see the seams a little bit more. I think without like spoiling anything narratively. Um, personally, I actually have not been that into the story. It's not really the story's fault. I just don't care. Like I just I just don't. So for some reason, it just doesn't click with me. That's not what I find appealing in the game. I think the the gameplay is a lot more of a draw than the narrative. However, I will say the writing is really good. Um, yeah. The few times I do bother to pay attention to it, uh, there are some fun quips and jokes. Like, it is well-written. Um, there's this, once again, without spoiling anything, there's this one really hilarious line that I remember where one character gets, like, a piece of armor or something, and they're like, oh, it feels like it was made for me. And the other guy goes, yeah, but it wasn't. And I'm like, that's so fun. <laughs> like, I love that it it has that element of it. I think so many times game writing can get a little bit stiff and it feels like these are regular people um, with the caveat of, I do think um, a few of the characters are very like single minded in their goals. And I kind of wish they had a little bit more dimension to them. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of that dimension does come from the side characters for some reason, sort of supporting like what Jin's journey ends up being. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is an interesting game because you don't really have um, like infamous style 
player options in terms of like good and evil. There are dialogue tree options, which I haven't seen if they pan out to anything. I hate when they do that because they don't matter. Yeah. I'm not going to play anything. I feel like it's a holdover from that early. Like they have talked about how they thought originally about what would it look like if we copied over a similar infamous system. So I wouldn't be surprised if it comes over from that. Like I personally, I've never really cared that much about good or bad systems so like for me i don't really need the dialogue choices like i would if they have a character that they want me to play as i want to play as that character Um, yeah yeah so i I think like the dissonance for me comes with um this sort of and this is entirely my fault but the tonal whiplash of like a side quest being like a character being like someone has murdered my son can you avenge their death? And you're like, yeah, I, sorry, I sliced through your front door and now I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to steal silk off your floor. Oh, <laughs> I love a, that you slice through the doors. Like, dude, I, I never yeah. opened doors in that game. I never opened doors. It's like, so I, great. Yeah. I, I opened the, the first five doors in that game and then by accident I hit the wrong button and, and just like Kool-Aid man through the thing. And I was like, oh, that's I, the way to go. That also definitely had distance for me, which is, and I play games like a total dork like i'm really annoying when i'm playing games because i'll just spin around when someone's telling their heartwarming story i'll just be running in circles to see if i can do it because i don't know that's what i like to do and yeah i had the same thing like i burst it through and then i'm like oh i'm back in this like very nostalgic place and now we're like i'm pouring my heart out but i'm i just yeah just burst it through everything mm-hmm. um <laughs> still like it but kind of weird This episode of Podcast Beyond is brought to you by NordVPN, a great way to protect yourself online while also improving your overall experience while enjoying cyberspace. Are you tired of streaming shows, movies, or sporting events being unavailable in your region due to draconian restrictions that are based on completely arbitrary geographical boundaries in physical meat space? Well, switch your virtual location to a place where that's no longer an issue. The same goes for shopping. You can get the best possible deal on subscriptions, flights, hotels, and other goods and services like that from websites that like to play favorites with certain territories and currencies. Meanwhile, encrypted traffic protects your data from hackers, viruses, malware, phishing sites, and other harmful hitchhikers of the information superhighway. Though really, it's more of an information autobahn because there is no speed limit with NordVPN. It is the fastest VPN in the world, so there won't be any buffering or lagging, and it'll stop your ISP from throttling your bandwidth. Isn't that nice? One NordVPN account can be used across six devices, which is great. My wife has been using our account to watch all sorts of awful British reality TV shows that aren't available here, like Argument Island or Half Naked Idiots Fall in Love, and everyone's favorite, The Worst People Just Got Married, Let's Hear Them Talk About It. Shows that are so bad, they're blocked in our part of the world for our own good, but luckily, NordVPN allows her to trick the internet into thinking she's in the UK, so she and her awful friends can shriek and howl and cackle at the TV while I'm trying to relax. I've been using my VPN too. You know what I've been using it for? None of your business. Yep, that's right. And thanks to NordVPN, my data is safely encrypted, all bundled up in a weighted security blanket of incomprehensibly complex math problems and nobody can tell what it's doing under there. Data, you do your thing. I'll leave you alone. One month of NordVPN coverage costs less than a cup of coffee. Coffee can't protect you from cyber criminals unless you throw it at them or pour it on their computers and you'll probably get in trouble for doing that. So get NordVPN instead. To get the best possible discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. That link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, that is nordvpn.com slash pobeyond. And now, back to the show. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. 
New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. You, you also steal everyone's linens and supplies from their houses. So. Yeah. 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 I've always liked to imagine it's just like, you know, a natural payment system as their lord, I guess. Like instead of them paying me for my job, I just grab some linen on the way out. Yeah. I do like that you can um, carry, from what I can see, unlimited amounts of linen. That sounds really stupid to say aloud, but I just didn't <laughs> want to have to inventory management it when you maybe are saving up for like a certain upgrade or something Mm -hmm. yeah it's nice there's no encumbrance when i have 800 supplies on me um but i I, a lot of little quality of life things like that i really like yeah i I do want to get into a lot of the gameplay stuff because you know obviously we don't want to spoil any of the the story beats or major character arcs but i do think there's a lot we can say about the combat and so mitchell Mm -hmm. i want to start off with you because i know you you know of course wrote at large about it in your review but uh you are perhaps one of the the combat maestros if i may of ign um i i'm very happy you did this review because there's few people i think on staff that i would want to really dig into a combat system like this as much as you so i'm excited to hear you talk a little bit more about what you loved what you thought really worked what you think of it in comparison to some other games you've played so yeah i loved i loved virtually everything about this game's combat system and it's funny because i remember looking at that first gameplay reveal and being like oh that looks that looks kind of basic i don't i don't think there's going to be anything really to to chew into here uh but what they do is that they introduce these four stances um and you get a new stance at uh you know set points in the in the in the story basically when you kill enough uh leaders and there's only so many leaders in the game so they they know what they're doing in terms of making sure you have these stances at the at this point in the game um and what those stances do is they allow you to break the guard of different types of enemies that wield different weapons so if you have the starting stance you're going to be very good at breaking through the stances of regular sword wielding enemies. Um, you can also use your like stab attack to get through their guard and like just do an instant kill outright. Um, and then there's another one that allows you to do like a long combo that that really messes up uh, shield wielding enemies. And there's another one that deals with spear wielding enemies. And then the last one is what you use when you have these big hulking brutes with like a weird Japanese. Uh, old style shotgun. I, I don't even know what the word for it is, but yeah, it's like a grenade launcher. <laughs> yeah, it just blast you away. Um, I think it's and, like firecrackers or something like that. But yeah, it messes you it's up. Something. Yeah, it's like yeah. a mu- like a musket, but it's not a musket yeah. at all. Yeah. And and so what ends up happening is you you approach these combat uh, scenarios and you just kind of have to calculate in your head. Okay, uh, the guy who's really close to me uh, has a spear. I need to switch to this stance killed him now i gotta kill these the this guy over here and but oh wait there's another guy with a sword that's coming after me right now i gotta dodge uh and all the while you're listening out for for specific audio cues to listen for for archers uh they go like and then (laughs) you wait a beat and then you dodge (laughs) yeah yeah um so it's what were you gonna say no go for it Uh, i was just gonna say uh so it's there's the neurons, like the the things in my brain, are constantly firing, um, and that's that's exactly what I want in a combat system. The the ability to to constantly be thinking on my feet, to to not ever fall into that rhythm of just hitting a button, um, 
And it changes like the combat system evolves greatly as the game goes on, not just because of those the addition of those stances, but also because you're getting new uh, new techniques. And what's really cool is that you get to decide what you want to be better at fighting against. You can I, I personally love the, the the deflection skill tree because I was able to uh, to basically make it so that no matter what enemy was introduced, I would be I would be able to, to block whatever they were going to throw at me. Um, but you know, that that's, you don't have to do that. You could, you could do a, a bunch of points into your stances. You do a bunch of points into your, uh, your gadgets that you use. Um, and so, yeah, it's just very flexible, very versatile, uh, constantly engaging. And I cannot say enough good things about this combat system. Yeah. I'll say that I was a, a initially put off by it. Um, by the, like there's no lock on in this game. No, like that's that's I have to, I have to reiterate that that's crazy, but uh, it totally somehow works. Like it's it. There's definitely moments where you feel a little disoriented. Um, especially I play a ton of FromSoft games, so once I learned you unlock like a roll button, and it just kind of rolls you in any random direction sometimes. Um, but I, I got I got the hang of it, and it, once once you basically get you get the feel of switching between those four stances for different enemy types. And then also parrying, rolling, and then pulling out all your toys, which like you have basically like arrows and fireworks and and gunpowder bombs and like all this other fun stuff. And additionally, uh, later on, you start to basically, uh, depending on how much, um, I forget what the name of it is, but you have these circles basically that you can double click both six at the same time to unleash like a special attack. And on top of that, there's no like sort of like Batman style combat in terms of like a combo system upgrading and or like letting you know how many hits you've gotten uh, consecutively. But you do have a, a, a system that you get later, um, which I won't spoil, but um, basically it lets you do a thing depending on how many, how far you can go without getting hit by something. And then once you, you sort of like learn to build that into your, your, like your rhythm, it becomes really, really beautiful. Like I, I don't think it, it, it never like really feels like, um, uh, like Sekiro in terms of like Sekiro is such a rhythmic game. It, that was like borderline, like guitar hero, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, it was like punch out with swords. Like there was something very like, like you, you had to be precise. This one I think has a lot more sort of freeform creativity in terms of combat. Um, and while it's similar to Sekiro and that you basically have the same sword for the entire game, which you can customize cosmetically. Um, I think the sheer amount of like mixing stances and special moves and like, cool like toys from your from your pouch that you can throw in makes things so much more interesting and it's also the fact that you can stealth through a lot of sections if you want to too um and so yeah I, the the combat in this game really really grew on me uh it is like it's violent it's bloody it's visceral you get some moves later on where you're straight up beheading and chopping arms off of people and it bullet times and you'll see like a, a an arm fly in the air like <laughs> blood splattering like there's blood all and over you go into photo mode zoom oh, in on god. it <laughs> oh my god it's yeah it's so so and you have cool. to close like, it before you take the photo and you're like yeah. oh well yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah i think it's i think people's perception of this game or how like gamers are reacting like it or not um is really contingent on not surprisingly what kind of player you are and what you're drawn to like for me i can appreciate good combat but i need like the other elements to really click for me and i think the reason that ghost doesn't feel like it doesn't like grab me in the way that i think it, it grabs a lot of you guys on this call is because something about the open world just doesn't 
like the open world of the story just doesn't do it for me and the combat isn't enough personally to carry it for me uh, i will say though that being said the combat is really good um as someone that doesn't really play a lot of these types of games though i was overwhelmed initially seeing so many skill trees a lot not, i'm not saying it's like that there's not games that have more skill trees than this but i'm like okay we got the stances that's four each of those has skills and then you have your, your, your like weapons and your gadgets and those have skills and then you have like these other things and they also have skills and so it kind of just felt like oh man i gotta just rack up a bunch of exp to be able to or whatever technique points however you want to slice it it kind of has both to be able to start opening these up if i really want to dig into the system so i kind of felt the pressure to do that in order to really start engaging with the game. And that being said, once I um, unlocked, I'd say once I got towards at least having three of the four stances, one thing I liked about it and one thing it felt very reminiscent of was Final Fantasy VII Remake because when you hold down the thing to change your stance, just don't let it go. You can rotate the camera a little, you can kind of get this <laughs> slowdown. And I, like for me, I don't feel like I'm a super skilled combat player and it's just not what I'm drawn to in games. But I liked having that kind of slow-mo select because it gave me a second to kind of like catch my breath and plan it out. Because I do enjoy planning and making strategic moves. And I like that this is open to that through like kind of cheesing the fact that it slows down when you are selecting your stance. Um, one drawback on that note is it doesn't do that when you're using like your bow and your short weapons and your gadgets. So I actually find myself never using those because I'm like, I'm just going to go attack with my sword because... I don't got time to like make sure I have this one bomb selected. Then like, wait, what does this do? I'm like, we're just not using any of them. I personally oh, never used any of those. Yeah. For that reason, because it felt like too much to manage. Because um, you can you can on, bullet time on arrows and stuff like that, but it's you have to have yeah. you have to be quick enough to like select. Yeah, them it's yeah. that skill. Yeah, and it's like yeah. I'm like, wait, which one is still up? Never mind, it's not worth it for me. Like I kind of just was like, I'm throwing this part away. Like if a, right. if a certain system doesn't feel either either one of two things, one natural or two worth pursuing. Like if I feel like I can get away with not using it, I'm like, well, why am I going to make myself use it? Besides for the fact of writing tips and tricks for guides or something. Um, so that was one thing that I kind of felt as a player. And then on, I'm trying to think of what else I want to go with that. But yeah, that, that, that was basically it. Like it sort of takes a while to really like dig into those systems. I think if you like systems like that, there's a lot here. Oh, here's what I was going to say. You can unlock extra uh, moves like, combos essentially like okay hold triangle and then let it go and this does like you know different things this is very vague because i don't remember the exact stuff um no, that that's exactly cool how it is me, <laughs> yeah. yeah you know it, it is but like i just don't remember the names of the moves but um i like that because it opened up more combat opportunities and i kind of like that that was a slow roll because for someone like me who gets sort of overwhelmed by the options it was like okay you learned one thing go and use that one thing um however the more you unlock when I'm mid-combat, I'm like, wait, what? And you can always open the menu and look at it, but I kind of forget, like, what are some of the cool new combos I've unlocked? And that's something that, I guess, prevented me from connecting with the combat on a deeper level than what someone could connect with it if they're more drawn to it and more used to engaging with those systems. I totally forgot the button pushes for a lot of those and just used... I mean, you have you have so much so many options in terms of um like stances and combat uh mm -hmm. and, and moves at your disposal so it, it i never felt like i was missing them but something you mentioned um that i want to i want to point out is totally true is that i i do think that the skill tree is um a little overwhelming um not necessarily because it's not necessarily like just a skill tree it is like a, a hundred different buckets to put things in and i was pretty stupid early on because i was like <laughs> i was like oh i really like this one stance 
this will be my favorite stance for the game. And I put like <laughs> all my points in it. And then I realized, oh, you don't get to have a favorite stance. Like you're, that's, a, that's one of the things you're going to have to use a lot with everything else. And so there's definitely, there are things that you can put your points in early on. And I mean, you're, you're on the guide team. So this is, this is where you guys will probably highlight yeah. and, and, and shine. Um, but you know, a lot of us, we didn't have that because we, we played pre-release. And so I will say like, if you're playing at home, be mindful of where you're putting your points early on. Uh, they are pretty easy to come by, but unless you're doing like a lot of side stuff, you don't want to just dump all your points into something that you're not gonna, that like maybe looks like you'll be using it a lot, but you won't be using it a lot, you know? Yeah. yeah, I think um, I, on that note, which is, oh, sorry, Jonathan. No, it's okay. Go ahead. You go. Oh, ahead. okay. On the, on the note of guides, one interesting thing, but once again, I don't know how, like, it'll depend on your taste on how you react to this, but it does kind of require a lot of forward planning. Um, like, when I first got the game and I was messing around with it, I was also playing like you, Brian. I'm like, I'm going to put off the main quest as long as possible. I want to do all this side stuff and just explore the world. And then I realized, oh, I don't have, like, anything because the first two main quests give you, like, key things for the game. <laughs> And um, so it does kind of require a little bit of that. And for me, that sort of feels a little bit keeping me at arm's length in some ways. Like it's, there's a lot to consider. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but depending on what grabs you and what makes you feel passionate about a world, it could be something that's really appealing or something that's a little bit overwhelming. Um, I will say one cool thing though, in terms of points is they do also allow you to put points into things that are more exploration based, like making it easier to find where certain things are located or uh, as a guides writer, the traveler's attire where you can kind of like open up more of the map fog as you explore. I do appreciate that. I, as I, never, one took, the combat. I never took that oh, off. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Like, Oh, actually, no, I took it off whenever I did combat. Cause I'm like, we need to kill some people. Then <laughs> we'll fair. put it back on after. But um, I think that was cool. Like I do like that as much as the combat to me is the clear best aspect of the game it is really cool to see them investing in the other areas and kind of saying, Hey, we're not neglecting the exploration and the world building for just this combat. Even if for me, I feel like they didn't really super succeed on that other front. They're clearly making a, a concentrated effort to make it feel like a holistic experience. Yeah. The, uh, the traveler's attire. And I do want to get to the stealth stuff in a second, but I, I wore that there, there are different outfits you can wear in the game. And I wore that so much, especially because in Altana, you and I have talked about this, but it has essentially that like, pinging system and as someone who's a completionist and trying to hunt down things essentially when you're near uh different artifacts or uh, other collectibles it will start to vibrate based on the direction that you're going in and then you you have to play essentially this rumble puzzle figuring out what direction you need to go to find the thing it's, it's like the rumble Marco pack Polo. on yeah or like yeah. Uh, ocarina of times rumble pack for the you know the, the bombing those holes and finding magical nonsense it's been a while um yeah. but yeah i i wore i wore that and you can you can upgrade all of your armors too with stuff that you find in the game and so a lot of it uh, unlocks new perks for that armor set specifically or enhances pre-existing perks and one of them for the traveler's armor was uh your basically you clear more and more fog uh the the more you upgrade it and also you can sort of feel the rumble of a nearby item from further and further away so yeah i thought that was really smart and same deal like as somebody who was trying to find everything and open up everything um i kept that armor on a lot and which was cool because like you can you can bring you can bring your armor uh you bring bring flowers basically to these dye merchants and they'll color it differently and there's black dye merchants that make like really cool like borderline like bloodborne looking costumes which i super <laughs> super dig um and so I did when I wasn't playing in Kurosawa mode, I was I was playing with basically like 
a traveler's attire in all black with a yellow sword and a yellow headband, and it was extremely Wu-Tang. <laughs> That's great. Uh, um, and then really, really quick, just yeah. with regards to the completionist thing, uh, one of the things I think really needs to be shouted out with regards to Ghost of Tsushima uh, is that you can fast travel to any point that you've discovered. You don't have to just go to, you know, the 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 map reveal point that you found or just like specific key points on the map any point you discover you can fast travel to which just makes collectible hunting so easy and just yep. so nice sorry i don't totally. mean to I no need to no totally it's um yeah there's a lot of i think you are definitely rewarded in many ways the more you explore uh, and i really appreciate that about that um i do want to get onto the stealth a bit because i know mitchell that was one of your larger critiques in the review uh pretty much to echo everyone else i yeah the stances and everything i i love the flow of that in the combat and it's it's definitely been one of the most entertaining aspects of the game and i'm re- i'm really glad they sort of got that so fully realized in this first version but uh conversely as also i was mentioning before you know there are uh, ways to stealth around the environment. Of course, there is tall grass in this game because there's tall grass in every game. Uh, you can hide in the bushes. You can um, assassinate people through some of the doorways, uh, which is a particularly fun way to do it. Uh, there are, you know, Assassin's Creed-like uh, air assassinations. You can hide underneath buildings and crawl through crawl spaces and such. Uh, briefly, because I do want to touch on some of the visual aspects and everything. Mitchell, what, what was sort of your main issue you felt like with the stealth in this game? So I, I need to first clarify that the stealth isn't terrible. It's just <laughs> very basic, very rudimentary. It works on a very fundamental level. Um, it you know it's it's absolutely still a great tactic to go through a an enemy encampment encampment hide in the in the tall grass you know stab someone who's when they're not being watched and then go away and then you know look for another person to 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 do the same thing to the problem with the stealth in this game is that once you do any once you try to give it any sort of resistance to just you know if you're if you're spotted and if if you're spotted, the only thing you should really do is fight. Because if you try to run away, if you try to you know get back into stealth, it just becomes too easy to break the system. Uh, if you if you are spotted and you jump onto a a little hut, they have no way of getting to you. They'll just throw shurikens at you and yell at you. Uh, and it's just the most awkward thing in the world. If you run into a hut, uh, you will break stealth. And they will be on the outside, and you'll be able to assassinate them as they come in. Uh, if you, you know, break break contact, if you break sight for one second, and then hide in a in a you know thing of tall grass, they'll lose you. Uh, so the problem with stealth isn't so much that it's broken or that it, it completely doesn't work. It's that if you do anything beyond what the game, what Sucker Punch expects you to do when you're discovered. Uh, it kind of falls apart. I say in the review, it's like as soon as you're discovered, the AI, the AI just throws up their hands and just shrugs. Like, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. I thought you were gonna fight. <laughs> yeah, there was there was definitely a little bit of whiplash coming right off of something like The Last of Us Part Two, which is you know it, it excels at stealth. Um, but even so, I mean, it's excellent stealth games this generation, like uh, Metal Gear Solid five, like, obviously like this is a game that doesn't let you like pick up the bodies and move them or anything like that. Um, it's, I was hoping for a little bit more, um, like it, it hints that there's basically some far cry style systems at play. 
you know, there's fire that spreads, there's cages with animals, there's wild animals that sometimes like roam into camps. Um, but it's it's rare to be able to use those things with any meaningful expectations outside of like random hopes and prayers. Like uh, there's there were a couple times where I was like, uh, you know, stealthing through a Mongol camp and a bear showed up and he just like, like it it didn't really change anything i like they, he just wrestled with one guy for like 15 minutes and then maybe came after me um but you don't really have a lot of situations where you can like start a fire and like you know create this whole uh, interlocking group of systems that then flushes out a bunch of enemies i mean if there's a way to do that uh, maybe you can do it through again like sheer luck but for the most part um and i, I played a lot of sections in this game at stealthy or at least you know uh, as most video games go which is stealthy up up until you can't be anymore and then knives out but uh it's 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 it, I'm, I'm totally with you mitch it was like it was it was definitely like i think they were like you know samurai and ninja they're they're stealthy like the sneak in the shadows and there's like there's a little bit of that you know like you can climb up on buildings and go in through like weird little windows and like pop in and drop down on guys and stuff like that um and again there's a weird dissonance because sometimes you'll do stuff like that and it'll go to a cutscene where like your father's like Jin, we don't we have to kill with honor we don't like to jump out of the shadows and murder dudes and you're like well really though because like i i've been doing that all day <laughs> i'm gonna do it for another 40 hours so there's there's um, definitely a disconnect between what you do in the game versus what's happening in cutscenes. Yeah. um because there there's like a, a kind of a i don't know how much i want to get into it but i think one of the the main conflicts in ghost of tsushima is this this uh the 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 founding or like the the fundamental beliefs of of the samurai code coming up against what Jin knows he need what what he knows he needs to do in order to defeat this uh, Mongol invasion, uh, and it's a very slow slow burn in terms of the story of him getting to this point where he becomes the ghost and you know he he stops being a samurai and becomes a ghost. But really, in the game, you've been a ghost the whole time. <laughs> yeah, you're you're doing a lot of ghost moves pretty much from uh, hour one. But um, yeah, we we can definitely save uh, some of that deeper stuff for uh, when we can talk spoilers. I do want to just because we're running a little short on time. I do want to get into sort of the visual aspects of this game and just like the 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 world design, the color palette, but also of course the Kurosawa mode. And Brian, I know you've been predominantly playing in that mode, so I want to start with you. Uh this was they they've talked about that there was this black and white cinematic mode. And really once we got our hands on it, it was like, oh cool, it's called Kurosawa mode, because that's very obviously the uh the uh, the word is escaping me. But this is very clearly the homage that they're going for yeah. to Kurosawa films. And so how have you because I I've used it sporadically. I use it for a lot of the like marquee fight scenes and a lot of the times where I want a really cinematic feel to resemble that. Cause I found sometimes when I'm walking around the world and the tinny music is playing it doesn't quite have that grandiose effect i wanted but how, how have you enjoyed playing you know a large part of the game in this way so i probably played about 25 hours of ghost of shima in kurosawa mode um and the cool thing about that is it's not just a black and white gradient filter um they the artists actually went in and and, and made sure that there are things that sort of tonally matched the way things looked in kurosawa movies it's also a little like a little bit of film grain um there's some uh uh sort of like it, it audio gets a little tinnier it almost sounds like it's coming through an old tv and so the cheat code here is you uh you put on japanese vo with subtitles you put on kurosawa mode you put on high contrast mode which i think enhances that even more uh and then you also um 
wear a mask for the entire game because <laughs> and here's the catch uh mm. the vo in japanese doesn't line up exactly with the v with with the lip syncing happening on every character in the game and sometimes it works uh but most times it's off by a beat and it it kind of takes you out of it a little bit it almost feels like what when like jackie chan would dub his own lines you know like it's it's like it's like okay this lines up but there's something a little bit off here uh that's it i think it's gorgeous it's it was surreal to play an open world game in black and white like that for so long um i i think that like the uh like really he- like very like sort of emotional one-on-one conflicts in this game in kurosawa mode when the blood is black and it's spraying everywhere and there's film grain popping up and like the the music swells like it is like it breaks your brain like as somebody who like loves old school movies like that like it totally got me and i was like this is phenomenal there are parts where like the like the sword slashes straight up sound like something from like an old shaw brothers film or like 36 chambers like it's like so so cool um that said uh there's a couple quests where they're like go find the purple flowers and you're like why where <laughs> like where are those where are those uh and so i did find myself uh switching the mode off after a little while and then putting it back on once i got this sort of like when i came to a new area i would turn it off just to sort of really take in what they were going for here because there's this is such a such a beautiful game like the the way you know there's flower petals and leaves like the way it, it it handles seasons even though they're it's, it's all happening in the same world um it's just stunning and so i think it looks great in black and white i think it looks great in color uh switch around a little bit but definitely give this mode a try at least for a little while and uh yeah as we pretty much wrap up mitchell just because uh of course you, you wrote the reviews just sort of any other like uh highlight or your critique that you really wanted to focus on or tell people to check out uh in your review before we wrap up um I think one of the really cool understated things about this game is how good it is at delivering that samurai fantasy. Um, we've already talked about the combat and how like, you know, it's very, it's, it's almost methodical with how like you can kind of just stand there in the middle of a circle of enemies and just wait for them to come and just, you know, do a, do a block. They'll, they'll go past you. Another guy will come. You can block them and counter them and stuff like that. It, it totally nails this fantasy of being an outnumbered samurai against like this, this horde of wildly less skilled enemies. Um, and even the way that like you, you kill enemies, there's like a little extra flourish on each, on each strike. So like you'll, you'll have the animation kind of linger a little bit. And it gives you the opportunity to go into photo mode and like, you know, sweep the camera around. Uh, And then photo mode. Can we talk about photo mode for a second? Because, uh, Brian, you were saying that uh, you think that this is your favorite photo mode uh, that you've ever played. And I'm inclined to agree. Maybe like, I don't know, if you consider like Rockstar's GTA 5 Movie Maker the photo mode, maybe that might compete. (laughs) But the, the things that this photo mode does... Uh, first of all, it's it's seamless. You just press uh, right on the D-pad. You're instantly in photo mode, and you can just take a take a picture of whatever it was that you were last on. Uh, but then you can create little animations. You can uh, you know cause particles to fall, and then you can have a wind. You can direct the wind to blow the particles. Oh my god! Uh, it's just and in addition to that, the the game is just so naturally beautiful. 
that yeah you know it's it's stunning and i think also like photography geeks are going to get really into this because there's a lot of like very like depth of field and all this other there's like very specific um the stuff that you would see sort of on a layout of a of a, of a nice camera that this game allows you to do um yeah, so, it, yeah um, so i took i took dozens of photos in this game yeah, it, it really, I think everyone will be using this photo mode for a long time and we'll have a lot of that to share once the embargoes lift on all of that. But uh, I want to thank you all. We're pretty much out of time. I want to thank uh, Janet, Mitchell, and Brian for joining me for this episode. Definitely go check out Mitchell's full Ghost of Tsushima review, written or video form if you haven't. And of course, stay tuned for a normal Beyond episode this week as well. But thank you to everyone who's listened or watched. Uh, we hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, Beyond. 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 Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.